Weekly Sauce, episode 48. I didn't get it wrong this time. Episode 48, Weekly Sauce, as usual, is brought to you by Mike's BBQ Rub. Visit Mike's BBQ Rub, MTL.com, and use Hot Sauce 10 for 10% off the entire site. I've said this sentence so many times that I don't I didn't even remember that I just said it. That's how, that's how many times I've said it because Mike's BBQ Rub is the place to be. Mustard truffle sauce. Alex, you had it this week. How good is it? Oh my god! Okay, so I dip my uh, my chicken drumsticks into the mustard truffle. Wow, delicious! It's 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 a it's a special taste. Let me tell you that. It is. It's it's it. it honestly, it sucks your dick, man. Like that's how good it is. It is. Yeah. It is. It sucks your dick. <laughs> that's how good it is, man. And it's 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 like this: mustard truffle sauce, blowjob. That's how <laughs> that's how it goes. Uh, so visit Mike's BBQ Rub MTL.com and use hot sauce 10 for 10 percent off. Uh, the hot sauce boys will be at the Mike's BBQ Rub charity golf tournament May 29th at Golf Oasis in La Chute. Uh, visit Mike's BBQ Rub's Instagram account if you want to be a part of that. It's, it's for a great cause. Um, so go ahead and join us, and you'll have a chance to meet us if you want to come out and bust my balls and tell me how bad my slice is. Because it's awful. Um, we got a special guest today. We got Jason Paul of WaveIntel.org. How's it going, buddy? Really good, man. I'm glad to be back on the show. Yeah, man. It's your. Uh, I don't think you're the first. How many recurring guests have we had? But you're for sure a friend of the show. We've probably had like, I, three I, or four. I think we had Joey. That, that's the only one I remember. Joey Alfieri. Mokan. Has Mokan come on once or twice? Oh, only once. Only once, yeah. Yeah, so I think Joey Alfieri and you, you're in good... You're in good uh, <laughs> I mean, good standing, good yeah. standing with the show. Joey up here good company, Joey. So Love what Joey. You, what have you been up to uh, other than face uh, palming because of the apps is here? <laughs> it's good, man. I'm enjoying it. I mean, Twitter is nuts. And uh, if you go along for the ride and you stay on the wave, I think you can actually enjoy it more than getting sucked into it. It's yeah. interesting to see the ups and the downs of the team and everybody. It's crazy. Maybe more so because of COVID. I don't know. I'm more engaged with the Habs this year on Twitter because of guys like Alex, because of guys like you, because you guys make Habs Twitter fun. You know, it's 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 a, it's a <laughs> it different it's a different it's beast when you start getting the guys like like you guys are you know you guys know what you're talking about. But there's some guys that have no clue what they're talking about, and they're just tweet after tweet after <laughs> tweet, and it's just it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to get at them too. Yeah. Like Alex, I uh... went after some guy because of Mete this week. Yeah, well, basically, Mete, they, they got all butthurt because I was talking about Mete and how, well, listen, the reality is, is that I don't think Mete is shit. I think Mete is decent. Shit, well, I don't, NHL, I hope he's not shit. I, I think, I think the, the whole Twitter thing about Mete is overblown. Uh, I don't think he's a top four defenseman. He's a bottom pair defenseman who... I don't think he makes the difference between a win and, and a loss. Okay. I don't think he's that type of defenseman. He's, he's a bottom pair defenseman. I don't know why all these kids on Twitter started, uh, Oh, Mete has gone. The team is shit. Fire Bergevin. I, I don't understand. I, I, I know. I don't know about myself, but what do you think, Jason? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of analytics, people that consume all the analytics and stuff on Twitter more than you get mainstream, right? And so the players that float to the top with the analytics numbers tend to get pumped a bit more maybe on Twitter than they do in mainstream, right? So I met Day, there are tons of other players, right? 
Um, I'm trying to recall his name on the abs. Who's the guy on the abs, the Russian player? I don't know. Um, on the abs? Zadorov? Zadorov? Mishushkin? No, for, yeah. Mishushkin. Yeah. Mishushkin, yeah. Uh, I remember drafting him in the first round of one of my pools. And I don't know if you saw on Twitter last, uh, last year, everyone was a lot of people underground, not underground, but even the, the high profile analytics people were pumping him for the Selkie. Right. And because uh, his numbers analytically just look amazing. Right. And my argument was, uh, I went back and forth with some of them. It's like, well, like how can you fully assess someone who's only getting like fourth line minutes to be, in that role, you know, and, and Mete is the same thing, right? Like you have to remember that they're getting the, the nice deployment and they're, you know, is it good to put up good numbers as a sixth event? Absolutely. Right. That's really important. I think, can you put him on the first pairing and expect the same thing? Absolutely not. Yeah. That's the thing too, is with Mete, it's like everybody, the thing with Habs fans and TSN 690 and, you know, what we do here in the city is, we take a player and we we overhype him for what he is. Mete, remember last year, like Mete hadn't scored his goal yet, and everybody wanted to score a goal, and it was like I was there, I was there for his first goal. You were there with your tickets, <laughs> with, with your my, tickets, with my tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everybody wanted to score a goal, and it was like this whole thing, and we were riding Mete, and then you know he started not playing well, but because we 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 invested so much passion into this player that he could do no wrong after. You know what I mean? And that's the, that's the thing with Hassan. We had it with Guillaume Latangas was the same way. Latangas was homegrown guy, all that stuff. Everybody wanted to succeed. But, you know, we gave him too much credit for something he hadn't done yet. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing that with Habs fans is that we we jump in and we, we, we start. Like with me, it's the same way in fantasy with me. In fantasy, I hoard my players. Like I'll never trade anybody. My value, I yeah. value my players higher than anybody. So we hire, we value our players so much over here in the city and we shouldn't be valuing them and to the point where Alex is, Alex has to say Mete's not a top four defenseman. No shit he's not a top four defenseman. I don't think anybody in the NHL will say he's a top four defenseman. But he could be in that five six role, just like the Chuskin could be on the fourth line, like you said, Jason. And it's we have to accept the role that they should be playing in. And I think that's in my, in the city we just don't do that. It's a shit show. I think it's a good point, uh Terry, that you know we tend to overvalue our pro our, our prospects. We, we're doing it now. Like even Kock and Yemi, I mean, if he does turn out to be an amazing third line center, like Lars Eller, for example, is a, another good one. It's like, well, like let's celebrate that he's the best third line center in the league. Let's not be angry that he's not the first or second. Right. So I, I totally agree. And the other thing I'd say about that is, um, you know, don't want to be too harsh with Habs fans here, but I think it's across the board on Canadian teams Yeah, is that we've come accustomed to losing, right? And what's the next next thing to attach yourself to if you can't win? It's hope. And I find that a lot of, a lot of fans of teams that are not doing well are just fans of their young players and become less, become used to that and they're not fans of winning, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's- and then... And then- yeah, 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 yeah. Then I saw some fans talking about Met, about Romanov and Mete. Like they're saying, "Oh, why is Romanov playing but not Mete? Why is um?" I I don't I don't I don't get these. I, I think I think Romanov been pretty solid his first year. Um, he certainly didn't have the same path as Mete because Mete his first year, if you remember, he played with Weber. Uh. Romanov's first year, he, he started on the third pairing. So I feel like he's more sheltered. He's uh, 
he's a little bit less visible from the from the public's eye. So he so his errors are not as prominent as Mete's, but nonetheless, I, I do think Romanov make do makes less defensive mistakes in his own zone. I I think Mete is good, you know, to maybe intercept a puck or uh take a puck away or drive because I, I know i know he's good with zone um zone entries exiting exiting the zone but which brings me to my uh, to, to my next point which how do you view analytics and think like how like how am i supposed to look at analytics and see like is this the right number is this what no is this number real or is this number fake Yeah, yeah. No, that's the, like, the big question, right? And um, I think it's it's somewhat easy. It's a cascading thing. Everything comes from the very top, right? Yeah. The first thing is wins. You want to win. The next thing, the next level of, of numbers below that is goals for and goals against, right? Or like, whatever. Like, you have to win that game to get wins. And then below that is, then, then you start getting into muddier, more information, right? And... You know, I would say that analytics data, whether it's uh, like zone entries, for example, or the expected goals, for example, something you hear a lot, Corsi, it's no different than goals and assists. You have, you, if Byron has 20 goals at the end of the season and Patrice Bergeron has 20 goals at the end of the season, whose 20 goal is, is better or was, is more impressive? They're not both the same, right? You can't value this, you can't value it dollar for dollar. You got to you got to did you at, see, you got to look at the details. Did you see John Lou's um, analytic apart on TSN a couple of days ago with yeah. Tyler Toffoli? Yeah, he's he's apparently Tyler Toffoli is apparently the best goal scorer at this season in the NHL. Yes. Okay. So that that's what's crazy. So there's a couple of things about that that's very very interesting. Every anytime they talk about something on TSN or the broadcast I'm watching, that's that's a little bit more analytical. You know, if they talk about Corsi or they talk about zone entries or they talk about expected goals, I usually take a picture of the graphic and then I tweet it. So I did the same thing that night. Uh, it was two nights ago, right? With John Lou and I tagged him and I just didn't even really look at the numbers because I already know what that kind of means. But I took a picture and I tweeted. I said, this is great. You know, John Lou doing expected goals stuff. And, uh, you know, then I'm watching the game and then a couple of other guys on Twitter that are they're like, those numbers are wrong. Man. That's not right. <laughs> so John Lou, and not only were the numbers wrong, he didn't cite the, you know, where he got those numbers from, which are, which is not good for many reasons. It's just like citing a quote. You don't just put a quote out there without saying where it's from because expected goals is, is a model, a very complicated model and different companies or whatever will do it a little bit differently. So expected goal is not the same. From, from one venue to or one outlet to another. So you definitely have to put that out there. So he didn't uh, put the source and he also did it wrong. He, he cited the expected goals that's an on-ice number and then he in, ex, uh, the expected goals that was the individual, which is totally different. Yeah, anyway. Two completely separate because you have one that's projections based on pace and the other one that's just analytical. So you, you're, you're taking two completely different sides of the ball here. Uh, yeah, well, so to, to explain it, when, it, when it's an on-ice uh, data, it means you and the other four guys on the ice, if there is a shot on net, doesn't matter who took it, 
your on ice data would show that you were on the ice for one shot. You didn't take that shot, but you were on the ice for one shot. Individual means that you took that shot. Okay. So he mixed up on ice with with individual, and he he did the equation wrong. Okay. But, so, so, but so, John so. John Lou's not known to be like in some analytics guy. But yeah, I think it's I think it's not. A, I wouldn't say in poor taste because John Lou's a classy guy. We've had him on, good guy. But it, I think it's more of you know sometimes we get so excited to give out this information. Like even for me, like I'll see something yeah. that you post, whatever, and I'll share it, and I might be wrong about it. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's 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 the issue that we have. At times, Alex. For sure, no, John. Like I, I, I applaud that, right? Like I, because we're just breaking new ground, and and this very thing is an important thing to do. Just talking about it, right? So that's why I repost that stuff, and I kind of applaud it. So I still applaud him for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, my my my, uh, my concern also with analytics is also the um, the part where it says per sixty minutes mm-hmm. per uh, the the the, uh, the ice time. Um, how much of a factor does that actually mean into results? Because obviously someone who doesn't play much will have and does the best possible during that time will have better analytics than someone who plays 20 minutes a game, right? Exactly. And that's exactly what that is. That's Nik- so, Nik- Nik- Nikushkin, right? Is, this, is that that's should, a great yeah. example? So he might have the same goals per 60 as Austin Matthews. And if you look at a chart, it'll say Austin Matthews scores Austin scores one per sixty minute, right? One goal per sixty or one point two goals per sixty minute. Is that true? I, I don't know exactly what it okay. is, but let's just say it, uh, that's what it is. And then Nikushkin also scores one point six per sixty. Let's just say so. You're like those guys are just they're scoring at the same rate. Yeah, they're scoring at the same rate, but Nikushkin gets all the maybe. I'm just using his him as an example. Maybe he gets all the easy deployments you know the offensive deployments he only plays 10 minutes a game He's playing against the third pairing uh, five on five playing against the third pairing whereas you know matthews has to play against the top lines all the time and he's you know playing two minute shifts and tired whatever but that, and every time you see usually when you see analytics stuff that says per 60 they're always talking about five on five oh, okay. analytics usually is only not but usually when there's it's quoted without saying anything it's usually talking about five on five because that's where you can measure apples to apples, right? It's not fair to say player X who gets all the power play time, put all that power play time in that bucket as well and try to compare those players. They always compare players five on five and then separately power play. So, oh, sorry, Alex, go finish it. Yeah, just a little one, which brings me to say, so since Kotkaniemi, um, so so take, so I was on your website and Kotkaniemi's numbers are better what's, than what's Suzuki's on, on waveintel.org. <laughs> on waveintel.org. Uh, I checked Su- uh, Kakanyemi's and Suzuki's analytics. And for some reason, I, I well, the way I saw it was Kakanyemi's analytics are better than Suzuki's. Mm-hmm. But the eye test, well, not the eye test, but with the way Suzuki has been playing and just overall, his play this season, I don't, I, I, I don't see how they put Kotkaniemi's numbers better than Suzuki. So I, I'm, I'm wondering, is this, the analytics numbers fair to compare between Suzuki and Kotkaniemi right now? 
Yeah, I think it's definitely fair. I got it up on my website. I'm looking at it right now. It's totally fair to to measure those team players, and it's really good to measure those on the same team because they have the same system. You know, so it's really good to measure apples to apples there. But they're also deployed a little bit differently as well. So when you see that back to that same point where Matthews gets the, you know, the more difficult minutes when it comes to Kakinami and Suzuki, again, you're only talking five on five. Um, Suzuki's numbers, you have to remember, he's playing against harder competition than Kakinami. There's there's websites you can go look at that, and hope, I'm going to change mine as well in the future so you can see that number, but. Um, that's a big thing, how they're deployed. And you can tell that they try to deploy Kakinami a little bit more favorable. And other teams are looking at Suzuki much more than they're looking at Kakinami. So they'll make sure that they match up much better with him. So what, yeah. what I mean, so uh, I don't think we're giving Nichuskin uh, $10.5 million, $11 million, you know what I mean? So what, what, are we, what are we looking at when it comes to Kakinami and his expectations going forward? I mean, are we looking at, is he producing at this point uh, like somebody would be, um, obviously, like Suzuki got uh, the Bergeron comparisons at the beginning of the year. Is is he looking analytically, statistically, is he looking like he's going to trend at Bergeron's, not talking about the successes, I'm talking about the individual on ice, obviously. Uh, is he looking like he's going to be that style of player, Kopitar? I mean, he, we, all these names were thrown at him. What can we expect from a guy like Suzuki when it comes to what he's done so far? What are his comparisons in the early, at the beginning of the career of those legends? Yeah, so if you just look, if you're just looking at the numbers, the analytics numbers here, um, great, uh, little visitor, sorry yeah, about that. Uh, the numbers bear out very well because his defensive metrics. So we'll look at expected goals. When he's on the ice, the expected goal level is extremely low against, which is really really good. And he had that last year in his rookie year. He had that in the bubble, and again he's having it this year. So just from the defensive part of the game when you're a center uh, and you show that you're responsible, the data shows that. And then I, I put my eye test to that and I absolutely love how he plays, manages his, his uh, you know, how he plays on the ice defensively. So I think that's where the, his, his offense five on five is not quite there. It wasn't there last year that, that much, but he made up for it on the power play this year. Again, the offense is not fantastic, but it's it's getting a little bit better, five on five. And then he's again, he's in the top quarter percentile. So he's in the top uh 25% of the league in power play performance. That's what else can you ask for? I mean, yeah. if you if you come off the ice five on five and you're not uh you know, you're not in deficit and then you score on the power play, that's what you kind of want with your uh, one of your top centers, I think. So you're saying he's gonna win a selfie eventually. I think he has it in him. Big time. I mean, other, it's not just people on Twitter saying that uh, that comparison is with Bergeron. I mean, you're, you're big time people that have played with him see that. And you walk, if you watch him, that's how he manages the ice. You know, he knows when to pinch and, and when to get back. Kakinyemi, even on Twitter, a lot of people pointed out the past couple of games, a defenseman makes a pinch. It looks like he's about to cover. And then he, he, he forgets to cover. It's like, you know, coaches – if you want to be a first-line NHL center, that is almost basic stuff. I wouldn't say basic, but, I mean, that's the stuff that coaches look for, and that's what Suzuki does. And, I mean, Suzuki does that actually well. Kotkaniemi, I love the Lars Zeller comparison because Lars Zeller, to me, was a very good player. I love Lars Zeller. I thought he was great here. You know, he won a Stanley Cup in Washington. Good on him. 
Uh, interesting fact, the last game of the series, I think they won six in game six that, year, that game. Devontae Smith-Pelly and Lars Eller scored goals that game. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Just to say. Um, yeah. And so I was a fan of Lars Eller. So when you, when you, when you compare Kotkaniemi to, to Lars Eller, Lars Eller had a crazy work ethic. Not saying that Kotkaniemi doesn't have that, but Kotkaniemi is more of a, uh, he's, you know, he's a skilled player. You know, he's, he doesn't have the soft hands like you, like you would expect. He, you know, he likes to hit. He's not a big bruiser, but he is a two-way player, but he's kind of lacking that defensive skill. What do we, what should we expect from this guy going forward? Is he, is he getting better? Is he reaching uh, a high? Is, can he potentially get to a second line center? Like, what are we looking at when it comes to Kotkaniemi? Because the way I see it, he's third line. And that's gonna, what he's going to be the rest of his career. Oh, yeah. Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, again, going to the statistics, um, his def- his rookie season, he had very strong defensive numbers, right? And offensive numbers. And offensive numbers. And his second year, he came in, got a little bit more responsibility. It, uh, maybe he wasn't prepared properly. Defensive numbers were awful. And his offense. <laughs> now this year, a rebound in the defensive numbers, right? Which is Which is great. You can still make gaffes and stuff like that and still have round out to have, you know, but, you know, the coaches want to see a bit more consistent game there. Do I think he he's going to round out? Absolutely. I think he has people marvel when people say, oh, I love his defensive game. I think they're looking at the physical pieces when he is a bull and he lifts the stick up and he gets the puck and he carries it himself. People are like, man, that's a great defensive play. I agree. But what I think is more impressive is, Suzuki's much more quiet, positional, strong game that he doesn't even have to do that kind of stuff because the puck's coming to him, right? So will Kakanyemi match Suzuki's defensive IQ? I don't think so, but can he learn from the coaches and stuff and become one of the best two-way forwards in the game? I think he can do it. In that in that realm, I mean, we talked. I, th- I mentioned Kopitar. If Kopitar doesn't win the Stanley Cup, doesn't win his awards, and he's still the same player, nobody's talking about. And I think that that's the, that's the thing that people don't realize is that as ha- as fans in Montreal, we're, Montreal hockey fans are very knowledgeable. We're extremely knowledgeable yeah. about the game. Um, but what, what people don't uh, people don't realize is that the the goals, the the minus plus minus, which I think is probably one of the most overrated stats you can see. Uh, the the goals, the plus minus, uh, the power play goals, all that stuff doesn't really mean much until you look at what the situational that you were talking about, the one that John Liu uh, uh, misrepresented. It's just that you have to look at the entire picture, and the entire picture tells you a different situation. If you, if I trust Jason Paul, we've been told that or two, to tell me who the best defensive player in the league is, he's he's not going to best two way center in the league is. He's not going to look at look at the numbers on NHL.com, right? And I think that that's what we as fans. I'm guilty. Alex is guilty. We're all guilty of doing this. It's like, oh, how good is he? Let me look at his numbers. You know, I'm in three hockey group chats, and they all think Suzuki's overrated. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm like, it doesn't. But when I look at him on the ice and I see him move, the guy's fucking good. And that's that's the part that that's the part that people don't realize is people watch highlights, they watch the YouTube 10 minute uh, game recap the yeah. next day, and they think they can get the uh, the bigger picture. And I think that websites like yours and guys like you who actually break it down and put it to brass tacks are, are appreciated in this in that on the Habs Twitter sphere. Yeah, and, thanks, man. Thanks for the compliment. I love it. Uh, uh, I go to your website all the time. Look, and, and the reality with... Uh... While Alex is dealing with his kids. 
<laughs> like I was, I was saying, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's part. Of, we're doing this. Wow, at, we're doing this at three thirty in the afternoon. Alex's kids are just all over the place. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say, uh, Suzuki is going through his for his uh, sophomore uh, slump. Uh, I think he's doing pretty well for a second year player. I think next year he might even be even better than his first year. I think next year, hopefully, he gets a more consistent line. For I, I think that's one of the main problems with the Habs right now. They just they just put all the players in a pot and then mix it all together, and then think and and hope for the best. And I think we should be getting more con- consistent lines, and that would. Definitely help the the youngsters with their development, and I think Suzuki next year hopefully will have a much better season. I think so. I and I think a lot of these players like this that have a good, you know, lots of responsibility five on five. It's really only the power play that really separates them from the pack. You know, like Tori Krug last year. Everybody's like Tori Krug, the man. He he was like borderline a whole five on five, right? On, yeah. our, on the best defensive team. team. Yeah. Yeah. Basically on the best defensive team in the league. One of the, you know, and he just made it all up on the power play, right? Yeah. Going to your point about the points, right? So, and I remember when he went to St. Louis, that's what I tweeted was, you know, like they, they, you exchange uh, Petrangelo, who is a monster in every, you know, every format, five on five power play penalty, and you put a, a super offensively charged power play guy there. You, if you think you're going to replace that, that's not going to happen, right? And I think they're feeling the pain a bit now this year, but uh, but it really changes the makes up of your team too, right? Like you yeah. you isolate a player like that, and then you can only do that for so many players. If I look at like let's say we use the example for Sherrod, I mean, who is he playing with? I mean, if if he looks good one night, I mean, who is he playing with? I, I like Sherrod. I think he's actually I think he's actually decent. He had a couple really off nights this year, so I think that that's that's what's showing. But I'm I'm a little offended with the Tory Crew because he's one of my favorite players. I look. I just, <laughs> I just love him. I there's my favorite players in the league: Tom Wilson, Tory Krug, both Kachucks, and Brendan yeah. Lemieux. Those guys put give me those guys, and I'm good. But I love rats; they're all rats. Uh, he, he loves the scumbags. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> there is there isn't hockey without those guys. That's what people don't realize. And analytics. I'm sorry, Jason, but your website's not going to tell me how good Matthew Kachuk really is because he's a fucking rat, and you need that on your own. Oh, here's a better one. So so. And Josh Anderson, can can you quite possibly measure his impact on analytics versus what he actually brings to the ice? Like his impact, like the, his the way he hits, aspect, yeah. exactly what, what he brings versus his analytics. Is, is, would it be a fair thing to do to use analytics to base off your opinion, Josh Anderson? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I mean, it, a true analytics guy, I'm an analytics guy, but I'm also 50-50, you know, like I'm a super <laughs> hockey guy, old school hockey guy. So like a pure analytics guy would say, look, I mean, Gabranson, for example, on the Sens, that, you know, big lug defenseman, like when someone says we signed him because he's going to protect the, you know, and he's going to make our players big. Well, when you measure when he's on the ice, you can only measure when a player's on the ice. You can't really – you know, if he's scaring the other players to go in the corner, like, how can you measure that? You really can't measure that, but you can measure when he's on the ice. So if he's on the ice and he is a positive player, so whatever whatever you want to say, goals for, goals assist, or 
then that's a good thing. Like, but if he's really bad, if he's bleeding goals, you know, a goal a game, then you then you have something to measure against. You have okay, his leadership, you know, his fighting. Can I? I like those things, but is it worth minus fifty goals over the course of the season? So that's where analytics can help you. Like, if I was an analytics uh, consultant for the Habs, I would say that look, this guy is. You know, I'm I'm not talking about Anderson, but I'll get to him in a second. This guy is not going to improve the skill on your team. He's going to be a deficit. But if you like those things, like he's going to make your dress room happy and he's going to fight when you need to, then the cost of that is going to be maybe a loss of one or two games. Statistically. Statistically. I mean, you mentioned Gabranson being a big guy and a dominant force. Didn't he get dummy by Gallagher this year? I mean, come on. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Anderson, Anderson um, you know, he – his numbers are good. Like his career has been very difficult to manage because he had those injuries and he totally wiped out the year before, but generally speaking, his numbers are good. And I dove deep into some of his stuff and he's good. I look for things so you can drill down with the analytics, right? So uh, how many goals against? Sure. That's great. But how many goals against against the best teams and how many goals against when there's, when you're up by one or down by one and there's only 10 minutes left in the game, you can drill down, to answer those questions and then you find out whether the coach is actually playing the player in the last five minutes of the game when they're down and stuff like that. And, and I've seen in the past with those kinds of numbers that Anderson's numbers are very high. They played him at the end of all kinds of games to protect the lead. And he was good at it. And he got all kinds of empty net goals. People are like, well, he's got empty net goals. Well, he's got empty net goals because the coach is putting them out there when they're defending a one goal lead at the end of the game. Ah, uh, you just shot right? over my universe. I hated on Pacioretty for so long. I still do. I think Pacioretty is probably one of the most. I, I think he's a great hockey player. He's got good skill. He's a good goal scorer. I just think that he, I look at him and I don't see what everybody else sees. I see that he scores two goals in a six-one win, or he'll score. He'll get an assist on uh, the, a one goal when you lose five-one. You know what I mean? And he the, against San Jose in this in the in the, the Western Conference Championship uh, Finals. He the first two games he went lights out and then when and then when San Jose started creeping back he he was gone off the stat sheet completely and he was out to lunch and they didn't even, his ice time dropped everything and I look at Pacioretty and I, and it, it reminds me of what you just said it's like yeah he got a lot of empty net goals I'll give him credit I'll be like listen you're on there because you were the best player you in a situation where you need to protect the lead or you need the goal or whatever it is you're you're there you know what I mean and good, good on you but I just never saw the whole Pacioretty movement. And never bought in at all, and maybe you can tell me otherwise. But it, it kind of reminds me of all that, and it just it's it's a little annoying when Habs fans tell me like you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like I watch it, I see it, and I see that he's, for lack of a better word, a pussy. I, I I can't I can't figure it out. <laughs> I mean, what you're saying like when you say Habs fans are like so knowledgeable, it's like I agree because we you know we know the game, we watch the game, we you know, and when you talk about analytics. I think that fans and coaches, they do the analytics in their head. Like, I don't know if you guys ever coach or you ever played hockey. You can do 10 amazing things. But as soon as you do that stupid pass with three minutes left in the game and you're up one nothing, and it comes back and haunts you, you know where that goes in the analytics? It goes in the coach's head in the analytics and say, I don't care about those 10 great things you did. That was just <laughs> not the time to do what you just did there, right? Yeah. So you remember that. And then you play a guy like Suzuki 
and you're like, well, I've just gone 80 games with this kid making, never making a bad play in, in the wrong, in the red zone, we'll call it, right? And so that's, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I, I think Pacioretty is a very, very good forward. I think he's one of the best wingers in the world. But you have a memory of, of playoff performances where he didn't show up. You have a memory of tight games where he didn't do what he needed to do. And that's the biggest thing in analytics yeah, you probably heard it from Dubas is recency bias. I don't know if you've heard, yeah, heard that a lot. Sure. Yeah, and, and that and everybody has recency bias of this current uh, season, right? And they're like Suzuki hasn't scored that much, whatever. But the the my what I'm thinking about is last bubble, and I remember exactly how those guys played. I remember how Mete played pretty strong and what he needed to do, and Weber and Sherat. I remember uh, Armia loving Armia's game in the bubble. So I have that great memory of him. And even though he's having an up and down season, there's no way as a GM or coach, I'm getting that guy off the roster because I know what he did last playoffs. And yeah. I'm hoping he can do the same thing this playoff. Yeah. And I, it's to that point where it's like, I've hated on him and then people have hated on me for hating on him. So I'm going to continue to hate on him. Just so I can, <laughs> you know, I, st- I stand my, I'm a very stubborn person. <laughs> even if like, so, you talking about Pacioretty or yeah. Armia? Well, Patrick, no, actually, I'm on the same page with you about Armia. I like Armia. I think he's good. I mean, yeah, he hasn't played. He's been up and down this year. But last year, what he provided for the Habs was great. I liked Armia. I'm, I'm in. I'm sold on Armia. I think he's a, he's a solid fourth, third-line player, and I think he could be good on any roster in the NHL. So, Jason, what's your prediction for the playoffs? Because, well – the Habs have now having right now a ninety five percent chance of entering the playoffs as we speak. Um, mm-hmm. What's your prediction for us in the playoffs? Well, that's a tough one. So I'm an analytics dude, <laughs> but I'm I'm a hockey gods guy first, and I'm I just believe that the team that does well has some sort of story. They pe- I hate to, the cliches peak at the right time, and I think they have a story here. Like they haven't done well, you know. Uh, most of the season, they're, they're losing a lot of their good players right now, so they're they're testing some of the the other players. So they hit the playoffs as the underdogs, you know, with these guys that are kind of now rested, like Gallagher and and Price. I think they can do well in that again. Do I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? No, but do I think they could knock off the Leafs and get in their heads with that roster? I think so. I think there's a lot of X factors on Montreal. You have a wicked goalie. You have a good mix of veterans and you have the X factor of the young guys like Suzuki and Kakinami who can just play out of their heads, right? right. So I say they're going to beat the Leafs. <laughs> oh, there you go. You talk about the X factor, I'll tell you what is an X factor. It's Mike's BBQ up and mustard truffle sauce. So before we get to that, uh, Jason from waveintel.org, where can they reach you? I guess it's at waveintel on Twitter. Yeah, at waveintel on Twitter and waveintel.org. Um, all kinds of great stuff. Direct message me, yell at me, whatever you need to do. <laughs> I'll do it. I'm going to look on for patch ready. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Another thing is that it's, even for a dummy like me, your stuff is very user friendly. It's very easy to read. Some of, <laughs> some of these pages, I'm looking, I'm like, what is this? It's a mess. It, it, when you when you get through the nitty-gritty and stuff, I think Wave and Tell is it's, it's honestly the best site. If you're especially if you're a Habs fan, if you're a Habs fan and you want to see the details on how Mete potentially might win a North Trophy market, go on WebIntel.org and check it out and follow Jason on Twitter as well. Uh, you can follow at the intern Alex uh, if you want any hot takes on Ben Sherat and Mete uh, Alex will always be you. you can follow me at Terry Tan if you just want 
tweet about dumb shit. That's what I'm there for. Uh, follow us everywhere. Like, subscribe, hot sauce support. This is Weekly Sauce brought to you by Mike's Beef Drop. Visit Mike's Beef Drop at And use hot sauce 10 to 10% off. The mustard truffle sauce is the key to the Stanley Cup, and I think we're going to send it over to the house. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Alex. Thank you.